Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Yesterday on the podcast, if you missed it, my wife um, spoke about keys to breakthrough or the key to breakthrough and talked about praise. If you didn't listen to it, please go back um, and listen to it. It's such a key for us to be people of praise. I think in the American church, it's almost like it's an optional thing. Like you got to be a worshiper, but praise is like the warm up to worship. But praise in and of itself, the Bible talks a lot about it. And um, I think it's really a dividing line for timid Christians and bold Christians a lot of times is is how you how hard you can go in praise. But, um, you know, praise is something that we do with our mouth. Obviously, we do it with with all of who we are, but it's part of uh, it's part of using your mouth for your victory. The Bible says in Psalm 67, uh, five and six, it says, let the people praise him. Let all the people praise him and the earth shall yield her increase and God, even our own God, will bless us. So there's something about using your mouth that changes things. We heard, you know, the story of Jericho where they shouted on the seventh seventh time, uh, seventh day around and then the walls came down. There's something about the voice since we're created in the image of God. There's something about the human voice that can create. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Today, I want to talk to you about the other side of the tongue, not talk about praise, but talk about the power of your mouth. Talk about your tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 14 says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but a breach in this, uh, a breach in the spirit, um, a breach that, or perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. And so for us, as humans, with tongues, as Christians, with a mouth, everything you say has an effect on who you are and your future. If, if a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, then it goes to say that an unwholesome tongue is a tree of death. What does a tree do? A tree grows, a tree produces fruit. So it's saying that your tongue has the ability and is already producing fruit in your life, either good fruit or bad fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it eat the fruit thereof. Um, so for us, there's a there's a inherent responsibility as a believer to keep guard over our mouth. You know, it's not just about um, being uh, not not joking and not being uh, not being silly and not all these things. There's things you can say. There's conversations you can have that maybe you could consider neutral, but for us. There's, a, there's an important thing to understand that your words carry weight. If you're a person who says things like, you know, it's just a very stressful time. You know, I'm just worried this. You know, I've just been scared that this would happen. Even putting those words in your vocabulary is producing fruit. Saying that you're worried will not lead to a life of being stress-free. Even saying, you know, this is the most stressful time of the year. Oh, this is the hardest time of work at my job. I just get so stressed out with everything. Even using it as a figure of speech will lead you into more and more stress. I don't want to see you in a place where in five years from now, 10 years from now, that stress hasn't been dealt with. Stress is something that you deal with on a spiritual level. It's a spiritual force. You deal with it through the word of God and through prayer. But for us, our mouth is the source of many things. Your mouth can be the source of ill health. People 
um, are quick to, to, to say things like, yeah, you know, um, my family, this runs in my family. My father had heart condition and his father had heart condition. So, you know, I got to be careful and just eat the right things because my, my chances of having a heart condition are higher than most people's. You say something like that and you invite destruction into your life. You just, you invite that into your body. I'm going to say something I've said before on this podcast, but when you got born again, you passed from being a human to being a Christian. The, the, there is a big difference before, between what is normal for a human and what's normal for a Christian. For, as a human, uh, and I'm not just talking about the like, things you do and don't do. I'm not just talking about, hey, you know, it may be okay as a non-believer to, to sleep around before you're married. Um, it may be all right as a non-believer, and that's not okay. That is obviously the reality. But I'm not just talking about uh, your behavior and your actions and what you do and don't do as far as what's sin and not sin. There's a, there's a difference between the expectation for what life should look like. The Bible says that as a Christian, you should expect persecution. As a for your faith, as a non-believer, there is no persecution for your faith. If you go out in public and you say, I'm an atheist, people say, well, good for you. You go out in public and you say, I'm a Christian. And depending on where you are, people will may grimace at you. You're more likely to find a Christian who says, you know, I grew up Christian, but I didn't want to force that on my kids than you are to find an atheist who said, you know, I'm an atheist, and but I, I wanted my kids to be religious. I wanted them to do whatever they want. It's usually the opposite. It's 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 usually that there's persecution for so it's it's something that from the word of God we grow to expect. But Romans 8:2 says an amazing thing. If if you would if you're going to study something in the word, I'm going to ask you to take a while and read Romans 8:2 and and understand and use it almost like a filter for when you read the Bible. It says for the law of the spirit of life in Christ, we're all in Christ, right? Um, who are born again in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's two laws at work here. They're spiritual laws. Whether you like it or not, you're under one of these two laws. You're under the law of sin and death, or you're under the law of the spirit of life. The law of sin and death, or the law of the spirit of life. And so for us as born-again believers, this is something that I believe many Christians go, don't let it be you. Many Christians go through life without understanding. I'm not who I was. I'm not just someone who goes to church, tries to be a better person, you know, tries to do the right thing, tries to avoid sin. By my, my nature has changed. John 1.12 says, to as many um, as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And so there's a, there's a change of nature. Ephesians 2 talks about how we were children of disobedience, but now we're children of God. Your nature changed when you got born again. And that's why I draw the distinction. I say you're no longer human, you're a Christian, because it gives a visual. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. That word creature means a new species, a new creation. If, if you and I could sit down and we could get together with the Ryan and Krista podcast listeners and say, all right, we're going to create a new species of animal for planet Earth. We, we've been granted special permission by God to create one species, and it's going to be our, uh, our little creation. What would we come up with? I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought, man, we'd, uh, we, I'd want, I want something that can swim in the water, 
but I wanted to be able to go on land, but I wanted to be able to fly as well, right? All three. I wanted to be protective. I wanted to be like, it could be like a guard animal. Um, I'm picturing like a reptile looking thing, like a guard animal. It could guard my house from danger, but I wanted to be like a pet and like, you know, play fetch. And um, it's going to have wings, can fly, it's going to have fins. Like what type of crazy looking creature would we come up with? This is a new species, right? And then we could say, you know, you could come up with some of these. You, I hear these interesting t- uh, uh, stats about interesting facts about animals, right? I hear these interesting facts like I read the other day that a Komodo dragon, if there's a female Komodo dragon and there's, there's no males within the vicinity the female Komodo dragon can actually um, fertilize its own eggs, and the and the majority of the 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 offspring that'll come out will be males. Crazy thing, right? So the way that God made it, and so we could come up with all these things and say this is our new species, and it's gonna you know it'll be on National Geographic. It'll be crazy. But God, when He made Christians. There's a new species that has come into play, and it's not one that's subject to the law of sin and death. So let me ask you this. Would you, what, what category would you put sickness in? The law of the spirit or the law of sin? The law of the spirit of life or the law of sin and death? Obviously, the law of sin and death. God didn't invent sickness. It comes because Adam fell. And so for us, the reality is, whether we know it or not, God has paid for us to be immune to sickness and disease. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life, hallelujah, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Many Christians, though, just think these things will be automatic. It's like, well, God made me, uh, God forgave my sins. And the Bible says in Romans 6, 14, sin shall no longer have dominion over me. But there's a fight to, there's a fight to fight. You know, for many years, I struggled in sin back and forth, back and forth. But for me, that verse makes it seem so clear, like, well, sin will no longer have a dominion of me. I should be able to do nothing, and I, and I have victory over sin. But that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. So all of us are engaged in a battle of faith to see the Word of God come to pass in our lives. I'll say that again. All of us are engaged in the battle of faith to see the Word of God come, in behalf, uh, come to pass in our lives. Right now, I'm in the battle for healing. Not, not just for my own body, or not really so much for my own body. It is to stay in health all the days of my life, but to be a person that's a Matthew 10, 8 person that says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. I want to be ready to go at all times that if I come across a dead person, I raise them. When I lay hands on the sick, every time they get healed. If I run into a leper, that I'm not worried about getting a virus. From I'm not worried about getting leprosy. I'm not concerned because it's contagious. That I can be a person that walks in that. I'm, I'm seeking those things out. But one of the things that we do is we line our mouth up with what the Word of God says. We line our mouth up with the promises of God. I'd be foolish to say I want to see that happen in my life and then be the first one to say, yeah, you know, it's flu season. If anyone's going to get sick, it's me. Or, yeah, I tried laying hands on people, but just nothing's happening. The, pro- <laughs> the problem's not with God, it's with me. I'm, 
I'm going after these things. So before we finish, I want to read this story here to you from uh, the book of Numbers. And it'll be a story that you recognize, Numbers 13. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. So here God says something. They get to the foot, basically the foot of the the promised land. And he says, send 12 men and one from each tribe and send them in to spy out, to search out the land. But what does he say? Search out the land I've given them. So he says beforehand, you're going to go search it out, but I've given it unto you. And then they go into the land and it says, and Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. And then it goes down and it says, and they went up and they searched, they found this fruit and the grapes were huge and they plucked a a, a cluster of grapes and they have to put it between two pieces of wood and, and carry it on people's shoulders. And, and after 40 days, they come back. And it says, and they went on and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land that you sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Those are giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So what happens? Here you've got people that come back. God's instructions were simple. Send them in. I've given the land to you. Send them to search it out. And they come back. Nevertheless, you know, these people are in this location. These people are in this. What are they talking about? They're talking about all the enemies to the land God has given them. And it says here, verse 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. What does that mean? Shut up. Listen up, everybody. And it says, and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And then it says, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than me. And then, and so it goes on from there, but you see, and then you, you know the story, but you fast forward and, and they spend the next 40 years in the wilderness and that whole generation has to die off. And who does the Lord take into the land? He, ta- he takes Caleb and he takes Joshua, who were the two out of the 12 who said, we can do it. Why? He, he we, he said, we're starting off with the word of the Lord. I'm not going to say God has said he'd be for us. He brought us out of Egypt. I'm not going to be the one to say, no, we can't do it. If God can bring us out of Egypt, surely he can take us into the promised land. For many believers, they've come out of a life of sin. God has saved them. God has equipped them. But then when it comes to their healing, when it comes to their finances, they get discouraged. They, they like, there's giants in the land, but this, but my family's poor, but I've got a lot of debt, but I'm, I'm not that smart, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm. And what are they doing? They're focusing on the giants. For us as believers, God is saying, I've given you a promised land. It's a promised land of perfect health. It's a pro- hallelujah. It's a promised land of effectiveness in your life. It's a promised land of increase. I've given you a promised land. There will be giants in the land, but you go in and possess it. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What you need to do is not let your mouth bring a bad report 
and say, I can't have that because of this. I can't have that because of this. I can't have that. What do you do? I'm going to search out the land, but all I know, I may not be in the promised land yet, but we are well able. Let us go in. Let us go in. It starts with a decision. I'm going into the promised land of health. I'm searching these things out. I'm going after it. Bless. I'm getting violent with my faith. Bless God. If anyone's getting healed, I'm getting healed. If anyone's uh, becoming victorious and prosper, I'm becoming victorious and prosper. And what do you do? You open books. You read. If The number of books I've read on healing, the number of books I've read on prosperity and finances, you choose the, the, the amount of studies that I've done, word studies in the word, on the authority of the name of Jesus, on, on winning prayer, on, you, you go after it. It's territory that God has said, as a believer, I've given you this land. Go search it out. I've given it. And then you come back, but you make sure your mouth doesn't cancel you out. Many Christians go to heaven. The Lord brought them out of Egypt. They've been brought out of sin, but they die in the wilderness, never making it into the promised land, never making it into their health, never making it in to, 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 to prosperity. Why? Because of the giants. It looks too tough. We look too small. I'm not a person of faith. You, you, you choose to align your mouth with victory. Lord, I may not be all the way yet on this account of healing, but God, I'm on my way. I'm face, I faced my first giant, and I'm going after the next one in the name of Jesus. I see you overcoming this year. I see you as you choose to move forward. Let us go in. I see you winning great victories this year in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I love you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next podcast.